Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a legal podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. So, Kimberly, we got a couple weeks to go here. We had three opinions handed down on Monday from the Supreme Court. That means there are 45 opinions down and a whopping 24 to go. Whew, that's a lot, especially considering there's only two more weeks left in the term. Yeah, how's that How's that going to work out? Well, so the court is scheduled right now to wrap up its term on June 24th, Monday, June 24th, meaning that it would issue all of its opinions um, on the, the, that day and then would officially wrap up the term the next day. But that's probably not going to happen. So what they sometimes do is they add days to the end of the week. So I can't I can't see a situation where the court doesn't have to add a few days here. Because there's just two days left, right? Right. That are, you know, the next two Mondays. Are the only scheduled days. Yeah. Now, though, they will likely add another day next week as well, um, probably Thursday, um, and issue some opinions then. I was kind of surprised that they didn't add a, a Thursday opinion day this week. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't. So we have a few more days to get out 24 opinions. That's still a lot, and it's still more than we've had in the past. So well, it's going to be busy. All right. Well. But a lot of stuff for the podcast, though. So. Yes. So... We did get a few opinions this week, mm-hmm. um, but first, let's talk about some of the the grants we got because we got we did get five grants for next term. Yeah, five grants. Um, so that brings the total of cases, I think, to twenty four uh, with twenty three hours of argument. So some some of them are consolidated. So these grants are kind of all over the map. I'll just mention a few that are pretty interesting. Uh, one is Manaski versus Tagieri. That's my Italian coming out there. I, like I, don't, I don't actually have any Italian, but that's Could why have it, me. that's why it came out because it was bad. Anyway, this is an international custody case that deals with the interpretation of the Hague Convention um, dealing with international child abductions. This isn't like strangers kidnapping people; it's mm-hmm. uh, parents who ah. uh, are in custody disputes and where kind of which country should make the decisions about custody and where the child should be residing while that custody battle plays out. So um, that's going to be an interesting case. It's one of I think four cases uh, on this Hague Convention that the court has heard in the last decade. So, you know, returning to some familiar territory. Yeah, that should be an interesting one. Uh, We also got a death penalty case out of Arizona. This is McKinney versus Arizona, which, you know, at a very high level deals with evidentiary questions and sentencing. But we'll see if this one gets the justices riled up. They've had some pretty sharp words for each other this term on these death penalty cases. They just can't get enough, I guess. I guess not. But this one's pretty small, dealing with a pretty small. I mean, it's not Death penalty cases are never small, but it deals Somewhat with a very Arizona narrow, specific. yeah, very narrow. Um, and then uh, the last one that I'll mention is an environmental case, Atlantic Richfield Company versus Christian. This involves uh, Superfund and CERCLA and all those good words. Words. Uh, and uh, this one is notable because it was granted over the solicitor's recommendation to uh. deny it. So this was a um, one where... We got a CVSG, a call for the view of the Solicitor General. And the Solicitor General said this isn't worth the court's time right now. But the court took it anyway. And that actually busted the SG's perfect record for the term um, in CVSGs. But they're still doing pretty good. Yeah. Makes it more believable. Throw in a loss every now and then. Yeah. You got to have one loss. Otherwise, it looks like, you know. Throw in the game. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, So I think that's, you know, 
it for the grants. I will say that if you look at the attorneys who were on these grants, it's kind of a who's who of the SCOTUS bar. We've got who we got. We've got Lisa Blatt at Williams and Connolly, Joe Palmore at Mofo, Neil Cattell at Hogan and Lovells, Don Barilli at Munger Tolls, Miguel Estrada at Gibson. Uh, Gibson also picked up another one, and Andy Pincus at Mayor Brown. So a lot of SCOTUS Familiar veterans faces. here. Yeah, actually, I don't. I think the Arizona Attorney General is the least famous. <laughs> the least experienced uh, to get in on these grants. So, well, luckily for them, they have possibly a majority of the court on their side. So we'll that see. should help. We'll see. I mean, they're not inexperienced. I mean, they'll they'll be fine. But I'm just saying to they're going to be great. Everybody's going to do great. I'm so proud of everyone. <sighs> okay, Jordan Shadow Docket. Should we talk about what else was on the orders list besides these grants? Sure. I'll just note quickly a denial in Al Awi against Trump. And this was one that people who watch these military detention cases, at least, have been watching. Um, as listeners, some might have forgotten there's you know been a, a war going on for almost you know two decades now. Has there been? Has there uh, been a war? Well, legally speaking, I think I think so, right? Because well, that's the question, right? right. And so in this case, uh, the guy Al Awi, a Yemeni, has been held at Guantanamo Bay for some 17 years um, after the September 11th attacks, and he has not been charged. And his lawyers are saying, you know, that's not fair, and he should be entitled to some semblance of process. But under this statute, the military has not had to try him. And so this was an attempt by his lawyers to challenge that regime, which applies to the some uh, 40 uh, people who are held at Guantanamo. And the justice denied certain that case, did not want to get involved in that. And Justice Breyer wrote a, a quick statement accompanying the denial, basically saying, hey, this is an important issue and that in a future case, I think he said in an appropriate case, they should take up this issue of indefinite detention. I don't think he said why he thought that this yeah. case was inappropriate. So that was a little weird because he said, you know, it's past time to, to take this on. But apparently... Because it, does it apply to anywhere else besides Gitmo? Or, I mean, because then there's only a limited number of cases that could ever get, yeah. get there. Why wasn't this one appropriate? Yeah, the, I don't know. he didn't explain that. At least I missed it in the short opinion. And so he's mad about it, but also apparently he would not have even seen fit to grant cert in this case. Hmm. So I guess he just wants us to know that he, he thinks it's important on some level, but is not ready to, to act on it himself, at least not in this case. So hmm. um, Al-Awi and all these other guys uh, can be held there indefinitely, at least for now. We should also say that maybe it's just he's saving up some of his dissents or something, you know, decided uh, he was on the losing end now. of that. And, yeah, right. Um, okay. Uh, so one thing I wanted to note as not mm -hmm. something that happened, but something to look out for that was a bit unusual on what we like to call uh, the shadow docket here. Mm -hmm. um, Ooh. Ooh, things that kind of play out on the orders list. This, of course, was made famous by Will Bode, who named it the Shadow Docket. But it's perfect because a lot of really significant things happen on the order list that we don't always highlight. Um, it's hard to see for people. And one of them is that the court has put back on its conference list these DACA cases. So these are the cases regarding DREAMers and whether or not they can get deferred deportation under the Obama-era DACA program. And 
listeners may recall that several uh, lower federal courts have said that the Trump administration didn't adequately explain its reasoning for um, trying to wind down the Obama-era program, and so it has um, required uh, DACA to continue. The court has had these cases. There's three cases um, right now uh, that the court said that they're going to put on their conference list out of the Ninth Circuit, the D.C. Circuit, and the Second Circuit. The court's had these cases since January, and they just haven't been doing anything with them. They haven't appeared on their conference list. They haven't been discussing them Weird. in conference, and they just popped up now. So, so why now? So uh, next we're going to talk. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Nobody knows, right? Well, yeah. No one. I mean, right. That's why we call Hopefully it the shadow knows. of dogs. Some, probably someone. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it was widely believed that the court was hanging on to these cases. Um, so for a D.C. Circuit case that has at issue in it kind of the Trump administration's last explanation for why it wants to wind down the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the other cases don't really have that um, explanation at issue. So I think, you know, it's that the court is waiting on this Nielsen memo um, so it can be squarely in front of it. But, you know, the D.C. Circuit's been sitting on that since February. So it may be that the court's like, hey, we're running out of time. If we're going to get briefing going, you know, we need to we need to hurry up. I don't know. Just to make sure we throw another hot issue on for an election year. Exactly. Just to make things extra crazy. Yeah. Well, this was the cases, you know, the, the, the Trump administration had asked the court um, to hear before the lower appellate courts had a chance to weigh in. They filed these cert before judgments. And in one of them in the Ninth Circuit case, the Supreme Court denied it, but specifically said that, you know, it thought that the appellate courts would act expeditiously. So but that has not happened. Well, they told the Ninth Circuit to act expeditiously, maybe not the DC Circuit. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So um, that's all. That's all speculation. But all right, that's good speculation. Good stuff like for it. the shadow docket. I yeah. think. Well, so that's that. You want to get rolling on these three opinions that we had? Oh, do I ever? What do you got? Well, uh, so the f- one of the cases uh, that the court handed down was return mail versus United States Postal Service, which is perhaps the best captioned case since um, Wood versus Moss. Oh, yes. You like that one. That is so good. I mean, hello. What she like better? I mean, to put you on the spot. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, this is kind of a touchy subject for me because I'm having some garden-related issues right now. Oh, that's my, true. Yeah, I have pretty crazy case of poison ivy, so. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything. I thought that was just, you know. If it was poison ivy versus moss, we'd have a clear winner, let me tell you. Anyway, okay, return mail versus USPS. Uh, This is whether the government is a person, quote, um, for administrative review proceedings challenging the validity of an already issued patent. Interestingly enough, the government is not a person. Uh, What? No, it's not. Wow. Governments are not people, too, at least when it comes to the America Invents Act. Uh, So... Pretty simple. Uh, I will say that this was a six to three decision by Justice Sotomayor, and she. We've been talking a lot about crossover votes. This yeah, term. it's been crazy. Every week, there's been a, a yeah. new justice stepping up. So, like five four votes where Justice Thomas will join the liberals or Kavanaugh or Gorsuch to give the liberals a five four victory. The crossover votes for the liberals probably in this current court is going to be in these 6-3 cases where it's the five conservatives plus one liberal. And that's what happened here. Justice Sotomayor joined her more conservative colleagues and in dissent were Breyer, Ginsburg, and Kagan. It's interesting. This is the sixth 
6-3 case or its equivalent mm-hmm. uh, this term. And this is the first one that's broken like that. All the others um, have kind of different lineups as the three. We've got a couple with Gorsuch, Sotomayor, and Ginsburg in the three dissent, which is interesting. Um, and also a couple with Thomas Alito Gorsuch, which is actually a very popular uh, lineup in these 6-3 cases. Yes. So something to watch out for. We'll yeah. have more on that later in a I'm, subsequent I'm intrigued. story. I know, yes. Uh, I think that's a lot to have said about return mail. Yeah. What about Quarles? This is the second decision we got. It was not a divided opinion. It was not. Um, so Quarles against the United States, it's the court's latest decision in a series of them this term dealing with the Armed Career Criminal Act, which was a law passed in the 80s in order to make judges and journalists and everyone nuts for uh, <laughs> decades to come. Basically, it's a three strikes law that if you have, if you're charged in a federal gun prosecution and you have three prior convictions that qualify as violent felonies, then you're on the hook for an increased mandatory minimum sentence. But all the arguments come in when you talk about what counts as a violent felony. And so this is the latest case talking about that. And the subject here is burglary. And it's an incredibly dense topic, but in a unanimous opinion written by Justice Kavanaugh. They sided with the the government because the issue was basically when do you need to form intent for burglary in order for it to qualify as a violent felony. In this case, uh, the case of Jamar Quarles dealt with what's called remaining in burglary, where you know you, you might not necessarily have a, a plan to burgle going into the <laughs> location, which I think is actually the, the right way to say that word, although it's incredibly weird. Um, I'm imagining what, somebody like on their tippy toes. Like, yeah, thing, exactly. Yeah. You're wearing like a striped thing, like the Hamburglar. Or which whatever. is why would you wear the striped thing when you're doing the burglaring? Like you should be a little more discreet. Yeah, it's that's look, the rules are the rules. That's <laughs> how you got to do it. But so anyway, so uh, Quarles was saying this type of burglary shouldn't count as one of the possible three strikes. And in the unanimous unanimous opinion by Kavanaugh. The justices said, uh, no, you're wrong. And so the government won this ACCA case, as the shorthand for the Armed Career Criminal Act is called. And this is the third ACCA decision this term and the third uh, government win. So um, the justices do have a quite a tough time with these cases, but at least so far this term, they've been handing down all these wins for the government. Which is was just a switch from what the government had been on a roll for previous terms. They've been losing a lot of ACA cases on a different, not whether or not these you know, specific crimes qualify for ACA, but whether or not ACA is too vague. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this is like a case like this is sort of, you know, more narrow uh-huh. than like that bigger question. Kavanaugh himself, I think, said this is an exceedingly narrow issue, which seems like kind of a theme of him trying to kind of yeah. sort of say, try and get everyone not to freak out with whatever he's doing by saying, <laughs> you know, don't worry, this is don't you worry. know not that big a deal, whatever we're doing here. Nothing to see here. Exactly. Um, yeah, and yeah. Thomas did file a, a concurrence, although this was a unanimous opinion. He had to, you know, throw a little something in there, basically just calling the whole court's approach to these cases into question. Well, it is crazy. It is a crazy way that they do it. I mean, not crazy, but very complicated. It's weird. It's not modified categorical approach. It is weird to explain to someone on the street how the how courts go about classifying these prior cases. It's not intuitive to what the chief justice might call the the man on the street. The woman on the street. Exactly. Uh, okay, let's not go into the modified categorical let's approach. Let's not. Okay. Agree. Let's not. Uh, let's talk about the third uh, decision, which was also a unanimous decision. Who wrote this one? I don't know. Justice What's Thomas. It was Justice Thomas. Hey. He's very busy. He likes to write a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually has, I think, eight majority opinions out. 
Um, I think this was his eighth one. Um, he's a writer. Which it means he's, you know, maybe he's done for the term, except all of these concurrences and dissents that he wants to get out. Counter that with Justice Alito, who has only issued two opinions. Right. So, so it makes us think he's got some, some, some of the big, big ones. ones coming. Yeah. Some of the big ones. Uh, so. Thomas's latest 9-0 decision is in Parker Drilling versus Newton. This is a wage and hour class action uh, related to standby duty for individuals working on a drilling platform. Um, they say they want to get paid, but there's no federal law that, that allows for that. They have to turn to California law. And even though Justice Thomas said this was a close call, they say California law doesn't apply on the outer continental shelf. And they reverse the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit is doing pretty terribly this term. Right. Yeah. At least that's consistent. It is consistent, yes. So At least one constant in the world. It's refreshing. <laughs> I will say that when the Supreme Court, I think it was this this Parker drilling that came out last, when they issued this opinion and the press room said, okay, that's it for today. Everyone, there was a loud groan, like, are you serious? We've got 24 more cases and these are the three you give us. So yeah. it's going to be busy. I mean, there's not a lot of great cases, controversial consequential cases at the court this term and it looks like they're going to do them all at the end wow not an aka fan are you no one is so that's fine i'm in good company well we'll see what we get I, the next opportunity for opinions is monday june 17th i should say and i should have said whenever we were talking about the daca cases that we're recording this on tuesday june 11th because you know of course the court can always take those daca cases off of consideration but as of right now they're on and as of right now the next time for Opportunity for Opinions is September 17th, or, well, June 17th. You weren't Let's supposed to tell anyone about that September date yet. <laughs> hey, anything else to chat about? Well, happenings at the court. Happenings. Well, so we're talking about how we still have all these big opinions coming down. And right, right. This is something that was hinted at by Justice Ginsburg in a speech she gave. Hinted. Last <laughs> Friday at the Second Circuit Judicial Conference. Very coy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So she pointed out that we have a lot of unanimous opinions. We've got 22 so far and 11 uh, decisions decided by one vote. But she said probably more likely we'll get some more. Right. Right. And, you know, everyone's sort of trying to read the, the hieroglyphics of what she's saying to show, you know, whether there's going to be any splits in these major cases, which I think we already yeah, knew there think, would be anyway. Yeah. I don't think it's, you know, whoa, the census is going to be a split opinion. What? I think the we census is going to be a split opinion. Yep. Huh. That's shocking. Yeah. Did you chat with someone? Did you talk to one of the justices about that? I declined comment <laughs> at this time. Yeah, I was surprised to see that she caught a little heat for saying, you know, that for hinting that there might be some division. Like, what, yeah. are, we, what are we what are we doing here? We all know this. Although there's one part that nobody's talking about. Well, you're talking about it. I tried Until to ignore now. it, but let's, okay, go. Go for it. So she did mention one case, Gamble Against the United States, a double jeopardy case. But in talking about it, she referred to it as a Sixth Circuit case. However, I think that is incorrect, as that is a case from Alabama, which falls under the Eleventh Circuit. Let's um, strip her of her, RB, her notorious RBG status. I don't know. I'm just, you know. And it's funny, too, because there's actually a footnote and a cite to a case that and then in parentheses says CA6 <laughs> after it. So, you know. Got to talk to the Possibly clerks. the least significant thing of anything she said, but um, glad you pointed it out. Yeah, that's that's why I'm here. It's the value I'm, I'm bringing to this. But anyway, the gamble case should be a good one. This is the separate sovereigns case, so yep. that'll be one of the million opinions we get over the next couple weeks. 
that there'll be too much to write about, so you all won't really hear the significance of it. Exactly. That's why she's doing this, sweep it under the rug, just to mess with me. So Justice Ginsburg also gave a shout out to Justice Kavanaugh in this speech for right. his um, hiring of female law clerks. And this is something that, you know, Justice Kavanaugh had touted during his confirmation process. And he's been right the first time ever to have four female yeah. law clerks. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if, you know, anyone would have guessed that that, you know, well, I guess probably people would have guessed maybe that that hadn't happened before. But, you know, maybe didn't know that that's something that the Kavanaugh did. But it's apparently is. You know, who would practice. have guessed that Kavanaugh would have done that? Who? Tiger Mom. Oh, and who is that? Uh, Amy Chua. Do you remember? Do you remember this lady? Who, a little bit. Yeah, you know, wrote a book about Tiger Mom and aggressive parenting mm-hmm. to right. ensure success of their kids. Yes, yes. So this woman, um, who is a Yale law professor, she kind of got gobbled up in these Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, um, even before the sexual assault allegations, mm-hmm. right? She came out and said that Kavanaugh would be great for for females. And she pointed in particular to the fact that her daughter had was getting ready to start a clerkship with then Judge Kavanaugh on the D.C. Circuit. Mm-hmm. And I think she caught a lot of a lot of criticism for that, saying, you know, basically, she's just auditioning uh, a Supreme Court clerkship for her daughter. Right. But of course, she denied that, right? Well, and the daughter did too, right? Yeah, what did the daughter say? So that apparently after some article came up, the daughter, apparently on Twitter, or oh, right. someone mm-hmm. claiming to be here anyway, I don't think there's any question as to whether it was her, said something like, hey, just to clear this up, you know, I don't plan on applying to a SCOTUS clerkship anytime soon. Which there would be nothing wrong with that. I mean, we should say this is really customary for for clerks who are going to clerk with a judge who gets nominated to the Supreme Court to go work on the Supreme Court. It's, you know, nothing weird about that. Yeah, look, there's nothing to, you know, you know, in general, no one's, you know, throwing any sympathy at anybody who's in a situation of coming into a circuit clerkship. But at the same time, it's somebody who's, you know, thought they had this job and they're coming out of school and then they're going to be be out of luck. All, you know, justices of all different types. But she's not doing that. She went into JAG, right? She went into JAG Corps. That's what it said in the tweet. I'm not, I don't know exactly what her JAG career entailed or not. But what we do know is that apparently what we also learned this week is that she is going to be clerking for Justice Kavanaugh. So, so yeah, you know, I, uh, and there's been a lot, again, a lot of, you know, people very upset about this. And I don't think it's because she got the clerkship. I think that's fine. I think it's the denial, right? The mm-hmm. aggressive denial. I mean, there's so many other things surrounding this family, right? I mean, mm-hmm. You know, this was the woman who was alleged to have said that it's no mistake or chance that all of Justice Kavanaugh's female clerks look like models. Right. They have um, a certain look. Yeah, they have a certain look. So, I mean, there's a lot swirling around here. But I think what what rubbed people the wrong way was, like, this denial. Like, why deny it? And, you know, this is something that bothers me about the confirmation process in general, is that we're just, for some reason, we're expected to, like, suspend disbelief Mm -hmm. in this area. Like, like we're supposed to believe that none of the, the nominees have ever thought about, like, Roe versus Wade. Right. And I got to say, like, if you haven't thought about Roe versus Wade, I'm just I'm not, I don't even think that you should be on the Supreme Court. Right. Like, what right. are you doing? <laughs> what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the Outer Continental Shelf? Because, yeah, we're thinking about Aka. you can figure that out yeah. when you get there. I yeah. think I don't know. I just there's all these issues around, you know, the confirmation hearing and what you can say, and what you can prove. And I'm, right. It's irking me. It's been irking me for years now. Yeah. It's like we're not supposed to sort of sort of infer the natural consequence of people's actions and stuff like this. And so when someone, and again, like you're saying, it's not about people being mad at this incoming clerk necessarily, but it's more a matter of, you know, when people 
criticized the professor, her mother, mm-hmm. for sort of supporting Kavanaugh in this way, you know, the rejoinder to that is like, oh, that's ridiculous. She's not doing this just to get her daughter a clerkship. And Why so, would anyone think that the tiger mom would do that? I mean, the self- yeah, I mean, even if this know. wasn't like the person who is famous for, I haven't, admit I've not read the book, but I understand <laughs> it to essentially be whatever, doing what you have to do to help your kids, right? I mean, that's literally what happened here. Yeah, so, I, mean, that's I don't know. Not, yeah. I think it's more, you know, people take issue more with that, right? Like you're saying then, I mean, some people take issue with everything, but I think, it, right, you're saying it seems more logical to question someone who is questioning mm-hmm. someone calling out someone who is apparently doing this for self-interested reasons. Which is fine. Right. I mean, I, I, it's just about I, being honest about it, right? Just be honest about it. Wow, that's a deep reference. Wow. It's not appropriate for work, by the way. Honesty? The let's be honest about it reference. Was that a, are you dating This yourself? is a new, this is a new, um, yes, I am dating myself. Um, this is a that's new weird. shadow docket for the highly sophisticated. All right, well, <laughs> I have no idea what's happening as usual. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that's it. We should suspend disbelief. At least suspend the podcast for about a week. Okay, let's do that. About a week. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Nothing's going to be happening at the Supreme Court, but you can follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw. I'm not doing it. Dot com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the U.S. doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And is mining really better down where it's wetter? Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.